Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast where I interview working voice actors who are working their way up. I'm Sean Rohani, and today I get to chat with Julie Shields. You may know her as the talented voice actor from Borderlands 3 and a million other games, anime commercials, and the list goes on. But did you know she's also the lead singer of the amazing band The Capsules? She's also a photographer, a cosmetologist. She's basically a renaissance woman, and I can't wait for you to learn more about her. usually do is ask guests what their favorite things they've worked on are to get started uh well i think probably some video games would make the top of my list like borderlands 3 um oh yeah nice we had um we had a song in borderlands 2 um but in borderlands 3 i actually got to do um three characters and then also nice. we had like five songs in the game in um on the pandora stations was this uh your band's music as well was featured on it yeah yeah our band the capsules we uh had have five songs in the game well you know it's just in the that in the awesome. station set up around in pandora um and there's mm-hmm. other bands too um that have songs in kind of scattered out throughout and um so it's kind of fun. Well, that's actually so. You're the first guest that I know of that um, is both voice actor and musician. So, what came first for you? Did you start out in a band or pursuing voice acting? Um, in a band for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, started playing when we were in high school. Um, my husband mm-hmm. and I, and then his best friend was the guitarist. And so, awesome. I guess I was like a junior in high school, and then by the time. I was 18 and it just graduated. We had a record deal with a label in New York and we were touring and, um, oh, wow. yeah, so we were like for, you know, about seven years, we, it was all banned. Like, you know, so mm-hmm. after high school, I, we just went on the road and, um, didn't have any day jobs for quite a while. That was our whole, everything was music mm-hmm. and touring and playing shows. And so I didn't go to college until after, yeah, I, I guess I was mid 20s like 26 or 27 uh and oh, wow. um yeah we we kind of that band kind of didn't really disband officially but we just kind of separated ways for a while jason and i had moved um and then after a while yeah. i was like hmm i guess we're probably not gonna be playing together anytime soon so maybe i'll go to school finally because you know i never <laughs> i never did that um and then after that, I guess, no, I guess it was while I was in school for design, we started the capsules, um, the band we're in now. Well, that's cool. And did you say you went to school for design? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was graphic design and photography. And um, Nice. That's what my wife does. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Does she work at like an ad agency or is she freelance or? No, she, she works for like a paper wrap and, and sort of like high-end bag making companies she does some of the designs for them that's awesome i yeah. a lot of the people from school went on to work at hallmark since it was in kansas city and um because hallmark employees oh, right. like I, at the time it was like forty thousand graphic designers around the world and so a lot of people that i went to school with ended up working there and some of them went on to do wrapping papers and gift cards and all kinds oh, wow. of yeah so really fun really fun stuff um it was kind of interesting because by the end of it i decided i wanted to do photography and i kind of knew i wanted to focus on photography and then i um interned at this amazing studio in kansas city rushway too i mean it was crazy they had a set builder on staff that would build a whole like 
house almost. I mean, I would walk in oh, one wow. day and all of a sudden, oh, we're doing a shoot for L.L. Bean. And there is a living room with a working fireplace and stockings hanging up and a fire <laughs> burning and staircase and banister and couch. And I mean, it was just like, I mean, it was next level insanity awesomeness. Like they were like, hey, can you help us find an alligator for the shoot today? And like I had to go pick up parrots one time. And then I was supposed to go work at an ad agency. I had that was what I was going to do after that summer. And I had an interview set up. And then I was like, I freaked out because I'm like, I don't want to work for an ad agency because everyone that did that, everyone from school that was doing that, they're working like 60 hours a week and crunching all Mm -hmm. the time. And I just freaked out right before the, um, you know, and decided I just want to do photography and move to Charleston. So Jason and I moved to Charleston, South Carolina, and I did photography. (laughs) So I understand the photography, you know, you're passionate about that. But how did you decide, okay, photography specifically in Charleston, South Carolina? Okay, so we were on tour with uh, one one of the bands we were on tour with, one of the guys in this band, Edison, he had sent a message not too long before saying, hey, I moved to Charleston. If you guys are ever playing like in Atlanta or Savannah or, you know, anywhere in the southeast and you're passing through Charleston, stop in and and Mm -hmm. say, hey. And so it just so happened that we were going to go we were doing a little southeast trip. Um, and we are going from like Wilmington to Savannah. And so I was like, let's Charleston's only like an hour and a half from Savannah. Let's go check it out. And Mm -hmm. so we pulled in and I was just like, oh my gosh, this place is the best (laughs) place. And it was just instantly felt like home. The winters in Kansas city, we loved Kansas city so much, but the winters were so cold anyway. So we were out Mm -hmm. there for two years and then we missed everyone in Kansas city. So they moved back. So we moved a lot back then. Like we, we were quite the nomads. But it's awesome that you were both on the same page with all that. And you know, with Charles, I've never been to Charleston, but I always hear like how beautiful of a city it is. So for you, it was purely like, oh, I just love this city. Let's move here. It wasn't like a professional move, right? No, the, actually, that's one of the reasons why we left only after two mm-hmm. years was because professionally wise. I mean, well, it was great for photography. Um, I did a lot of um, architectural photography and I did a ton of oh, weddings. Cool. Um, and the weddings were great because you're in all these beautiful historic locations that a lot of times were private um, homes on these beautiful you know waterways that were you know 250 years old that you normally wouldn't get to see and all these beautiful old churches that were you know 200 almost 300 years old some of them and so for someone who loves history it was an amazing place to get to do that kind of thing and so I didn't know anything about voiceover then and um and I, I mean, we always had a studio and I always had my mics and we were always recording. And I'd done a few things for friends that were doing some games, making some games. Um, mm-hmm. But it was just, you know, they knew we had a microphone and I was a singer and they're like, hey, we need a girl for this character. And and so I would do, I would record for them, but I didn't know it was a career. Like I didn't know you could do it full time and actually right. be this as your profession. And I was like manically um just dove in like oh my gosh I've got to learn everything I can I I I felt like Mm -hmm. I was trying to like make up for time I guess like I felt like I don't know why I just I was just like (laughs) frantically wanting Mm -hmm. to learn everything I could and like you said initially you really fell in love with the work but you didn't realize you can make a career out of it so what happened that sort of opened your eyes to pursue it as a career well I was um doing some TV stuff and like movie stuff, just uh, dabbling a little bit and getting back into acting. 
because, you know, in school, I always loved like theater and, you know, performing. But, you know, being that right after I graduated, it was all band focused. Like that's all we did. After we moved from back from Charleston to Kansas City, then Kansas City to the Dallas area, then, you know, there was actually opportunities to do, you know, there's filming, there's productions going on. I would see people filming around town. Um, right. You know, I'd see crew set up with lights and actors. And, and so I was like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. there might actually be opportunities to actually do some on-camera stuff. So so anyway, I did a, a, a few little things. And I was taking classes um, with Nancy Chartier and then also with another coach um, in town. And she actually did voiceover as well, like as far as mm-hmm. coaching. And so, you know, I didn't really like being on camera necessarily. I love acting, but I don't, I, you know, it's weird. I like, <laughs> I like being a part of a thing. Like I, I love the right. community of it. I, so she was like, well, cause I told her, I was like, you know, I don't know. I don't really want to be on camera, but I like acting, but I don't know. And she's like, well, what, what about voiceover? You're, you're a musician. You have a studio, right? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, you probably already have everything you need to do voiceover if you want to do that. And you still can act and and but you don't have to be on camera. Hmm. And so I was like, really? Like, <laughs> really? Uh, so so can can we maybe work on that? Like do a class where we're focused on that instead of on camera work? And she's like, yeah, let's do that. So I did a, a, a like a I was like, maybe we can just do like a one hour thing, uh, like private thing where I can do, you know, maybe read some stuff for you and you can see if I have a shot at this, you know, if it's mm-hmm. it's some, my thing. And so anyway, so we did that. And she, she had a bunch of scripts for me, like commercial and, and animation and uh, I think some narration stuff, too. So, yeah, we did that. And she's like, yeah, I think you should totally pursue this. Like, I think you'd be great at it and you should do it. And I was like, OK, you know, <laughs> nice. so um, so I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm doing this. But then I was like, she's like, you got to get a demo. You got to do all this stuff, you know, and that was that was crazy. Like all of a sudden when she said that, I was just like, how did I not know this? before like you know i know it happens sometimes it's right in front of you but you have no clue until somebody else points it out yeah so when she said oh you got to record demos and everything like that did you make the cardinal sin that many of us have made about recording the demo too early or or were you pretty efficient about it because i mean you still had some background working uh, on a mic and performing as a musician so maybe that helped um yeah i don't know if uh it may have helped, but I'm I'm not sure. It is different, but um, right. you know, and my equipment that I had, I had two Rode NT ones, and they didn't, they weren't really great for me for voiceover. So really, I had mm-hmm. to, and and we were using um, Logic, and you know, really, oh, wow. I you know, so I, I really changed up a lot of what I used when I started doing voiceover, as far as um, you know, instead of using Logic still and using the NT ones. I really focused on like finding a mic that actually sounds good for my voice for voiceover and learned audition because it seemed like a lot of people were using audition and it was a little more user friendly. But really, it was funny because even though, yeah, we had a studio, it really I really ended up kind of switching all this stuff that up anyway getting in different preamp that was better for mm. voiceover than you know than what we were using for our instruments and so I really still had to make that investment in equipment as far as mics and preamp and and even um, more soundproofing almost as if I was didn't have a studio at all but um, mm. oh yeah so you were asking about demos sorry I don't know how I got sucked <laughs> uh, anyway um, so demos I wanted to get a demo as soon as possible I know that's probably terrible so while I was coaching I was still doing acting classes um, for three and a half hours 
every Wednesday. Oh, okay. And then after that, I would do another um, a voiceover session for an hour and a half. So I had five mm-hmm. hours every Wednesday that was focused on acting and voiceover um, coaching. And But what I did was I did go ahead and right away do a commercial demo. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it actually was good. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are cautious about it, but I knew I could always update it. But I didn't feel like waiting was the right thing to do because I had already... I already felt like I was kind of frantically trying to catch up for time that I had lost, even though I know it's crazy because it's not really time lost, but I didn't Mm -hmm. know about this for so long. And now I'm like, I've got to catch up. I feel like I should have been doing this a long time ago and I need to Mm -hmm. not waste time. No more, no wasting time, you know? Right. That's a good thing though. Like uh, it's, it lit a fire on you to make sure what you're doing moving forward is efficient. Yeah. I tried to be as efficient as possible because I didn't want to just spend money on a demo and then end up having to, oh gosh, that's terrible. Now I got to pay to have a whole Mm -hmm. other one done because it was so, you know, but what I did was um, I updated it. And so with that commercial demo, you know, because everyone's going to ask for a commercial demo if you want to be on a roster, even if it's not Mm -hmm. with an agent, because I wasn't looking for an agent yet. But even if you want to be on a roster for, um, you know, other like production companies, they, they want a commercial demo. And so I got one and right afterwards started booking right away. So I knew it wasn't a bad choice, even if the demo wasn't probably as good as it could have been if I waited a long time. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to start getting experience and work under my belt mm-hmm. so that then, you know, it would help. I think it just helped with the momentum of everything because then you're right. booking and you have the confidence and then you have the money to invest more into your equipment, into your studio. And then you have you have something to bring to agents whenever you're looking for an agent. I hadn't mm-hmm. started looking for an agent yet, actually, but just three months in, I did a class, uh, an audiobook class, and the person, the instructor, actually was nice enough to ask, and she's like, do you have a demo? If you do, I want to send it to my agent because I think they might like you. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah, it was so nice of her, you know, and so I sent it to her, and so they the agency contacted me and asked if I would come in, and I was like, okay, they're going to tell me, you know, we listened to your demo, you need more, you know, classes or you need, you know, come mm-hmm. back in six months. I, you know, I had no idea. I didn't think it was going to be, yeah, we want to sign you, but it, they did. And I was like, so I really thought, <laughs> you know, I've only been doing this a few months and there's no way. I mean, you know, they'll probably just come in and it would be nice to connect. And, you know, then maybe I can meet back up with them in a while when I have more stuff under my belt. But no, they actually <laughs> like, yeah, we want to, we want to sign you. Here's a contract. You can take it with you. And so then I was like, okay, you know, so I was so glad I did the demo, you know, like I know it's terrible probably to say because a lot, you know, a lot of people caution people against doing them right away, but I'm just kind of like, don't necessarily listen to what other people say. Sometimes you got to do what you think is right. Your trajectory was kind of the opposite of most people. I feel like most people do the demo too early. And then once they have the slightest interest from an agent, they're like, I got this in the bag. (laughs) You're a lot more like mature about the whole process. So um, it sounds like you've taken all the right steps. I don't know. I mean, I think for me it it was, um, but it might, you know, but then again, I hear a lot of people, um, you know, just talking to them in person, you know, like at um, VO Atlanta or some of the other voiceover um, conventions and stuff. And I hear kind of their Mm -hmm. paths and where they're at. And I see a lot of people get stuck at the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're like, no, I don't have enough training yet. Oh, I I should wait a lot longer to do a demo. And it's like two or three years in and I've seen them every year 
and they're still hmm. waiting, you know, they're, they're waiting right. and they're still call. you know, I'm a newbie still, but they started when I started. And so hmm. I just didn't want to, you know, I think, I think a lot of people can get stuck sometimes and lose a little of that momentum because they listen a lot to other people's, like what worked for them. And then they're like, oh, okay, well they waited this long. So I need to wait this long or, but I, I, I don't know. That's I just, good point. yeah. I, so I hear, I hear that a lot and I don't, you know, I, I think it's kind of, sometimes it, it kind of bums me out a bit because I'm like, gosh, I just, I, I bet they could really be doing so many awesome things right now, projects and mm-hmm. getting a lot of bookings if they would just dive in and right. just, you know, embrace what mm-hmm. it is that they want to do. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I, I hear consistently when talking to people when they're starting out. And mm-hmm. so, yes, maybe what I did was a little not normal, but, um, you know, by doing the commercial demo. And what I did was with the commercial demo, instead of having to pay for a whole new demo, I just started um, placing actual work in and swapping. Act- so right. when I when I would do a spot and they would send it to me and say I could use it and I liked it, I would take out some of the spots that I didn't. I'm like, yeah, I would have done that differently, <laughs> you know, and I'd swap it with actual work. Um, of course, only when they gave me permission to. But and then that way I was able to create a, you know, keep kind of um, making the demo better without having to spend a ton of money on it. And then eventually I did redo my commercial demo. I think there's ways of not waiting if you if you feel like you're ready and not spending a, a ton of money to constantly be refreshing your demos. Um, I know, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, uh, maybe I shouldn't be saying, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm going <laughs> no. against the grain a little bit on some of the things that I was saying, but. Um, well, you kind of have to sometimes to, to get where you want to go like and i think the problem like when people say oh you got to wait till you're properly trained that's mainly to address what might be the majority of people who are just excited about voiceover like for example my first demo my animation demo like i thought oh uh, i can do so many different crazy sounds and textures and uh, i didn't think about okay well can i act one and two are any of these characters unique characters so like i had some stereotypical characters now i'm like oh my god my acting's a million times better so uh, when people say hang on i think it's to address that majority but unfortunately Sometimes there are people, like you said, who trained with you and are legitimately talented that also listen to that advice, which is geared for the others, but not necessarily them. It's always tough to get out of your comfort zone, whatever it is, and to take a big step into the unknown. Maybe you're, you excel in that because your whole life, I mean, you're just like, all right, hey, uh, let's move to South Carolina, to Charleston, boom, done. Like, these decisions seem to be much easier for you to make. (laughs) That's a superpower. (laughs) Oh, no, maybe I need to second guess everything from now on. (laughs) No. 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 (laughs) Definitely not. But, um, by the way, you mentioned that you got the demo before you were even interested in looking for an agent. Obviously, most people get demos to try to get agents, but you said you were able to use that to procure work from different ad agencies and whatnot. So how did that happen? Yeah. Well, not so much ad agencies as like production companies. So video production Mm -hmm. companies that were doing, um, you know, commercials uh, locally and also like narration, like for videos, like product videos and things like that for, you know, YouTube and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And then also, also just for voice one, two, three, um, because I started out doing that because I'm like, okay, I don't expect to go into this and get an agent and start getting work through them without having my own body of work 
you know, to go to them if I do when I do start looking for agents when I am ready. Right. I just wanted to already have my own, um, you know, my stand on your own feet, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, because I had, you know, I wanted to prove to myself, you know, also, but I, I wanted them to have a reason to want to, not just that. You know, right. I have this demo and, you know, I have a studio, so you should, you know. So, yeah, so I, I did like the voice one, two, three profile thing when I first started out. Someone had told me about it. And so I started booking right away. But even with the ones that I didn't book, you know, I auditioned a lot. And doing that, when you're beginning, I think it's good because yeah. you get a wide range of scripts in front of you and you kind of can feel out what it is that you like doing. You know, you might right. get, an, you know, oh, here's an audiobook audition. I'm going to try that. And then you might realize, mm-hmm. oh, okay, maybe that's not for me. And so, but commercial, oh, this is fun. I like, you know, or games, you know, right. there's such a wide variety of, of work that when you're just getting into voiceover and you're auditioning for all these different projects, you kind of get a feel for what it is that you like and what it is you're booking a lot of. And also just you're getting faster and faster at editing. So for me, it was great. I was doing like 40 auditions a day. And then, you know, then we'd start doing directed sessions remotely with people. And so then I had to get set up with Source Connect like five years ago. So so I really feel like doing that helped me really get better at the skills that I needed to do this. Right. And I did like Voice 1232 because I wanted... I wanted to have a ton of auditions. Like I literally would audition like 10 hours a day because I was so like hungry. I couldn't sleep. I mean, I would like go to sleep and like three hours later, I'd be like, there's a new audition. You know, I'd jump up and I I mean, it was like, it was like that. So I wanted, so that's why I did that because I didn't, I didn't want to wait for auditions. I just wanted to have so many that I didn't know what to do with them. And, and then when I went to the agent, whenever the person had sent them my demo, I already had a resume that already had, you know, commercials and narration and an audio book and games and already mm. on there. So maybe that's why they went ahead and maybe if I didn't have right. that and I was waiting on an agent to help me procure work, maybe they would have said no because maybe I wouldn't have brought anything to them that I'd already done. I don't know. But I mm. knew that that was important to me to be able to get stuff on my own. And I also reached out to production companies and got on some rosters where they would just send me um, auditions or work um, from mm-hmm. the beginning too. But you have to have a demo to do that. So that's why I kind of, right. yeah. And when you would do that, how would you contact them? Would you find them on like LinkedIn or search out their websites and go that route? Yeah, I would search. Um, I started searching locally and I would search production companies and video production companies and go to their websites and see the type of work that they were doing and then email. Look at you, Julie. I mean, every time I bump into you in, in a workshop, you're such a sweetheart and kind and it's so fun to be around you. But little did we know that you're a shark when you need to do business. <laughs> no, 10 hours not, a day auditioning. Not, I love it. <laughs> not as much as, I mean, there's a lot of people. I haven't done, I haven't like Googled production companies in quite a while. And, um, right. you know, so, but I know people that still do every day. I mean, they're cold calling mm. and emailing. And so they're, they're way, I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm nowhere near <laughs> that level at all. I'm, I'm probably, you know, I've probably, uh, maybe gotten a little too relaxed with that kind of stuff, you know. Well, I mean, part of it is, you know, just as your career transformed, you got, uh, you got with an agency and and you've booked bigger names and stuff like that. That naturally you would probably focus less time on 
finding the local production companies, you know. Well, thank you. That makes me feel better. But I do know yeah. lots of people that still do it all the time and they're, you know, and it's and it's great. I don't know how they how they do it, you know, at a consistent pace like that. But at first, you know, when you when you are just starting out and you want work, I think it's a good way of of uh or forever. I mean, a lot of people do it forever. That's how they make connections and get more work. Everyone there's so many different paths to doing this as a career that that's one of the amazing things about it is, you know, if you're someone that prefers just calling people and and saying, hey, can I send you my demo? I do this. This is, you know, if if that's your thing, you can do it. If right. you don't feel like calling up people, you can email people. If you don't feel like emailing people, you can go strictly through agencies for work. Or if you, you know, it's mm-hmm. like there's so many things you can do, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> and that's what's interesting. And it's not just that. It's like then there's the work and there's so many different types of work. Yeah, that's that's what I love about voice acting is. Like you said, there's so many different routes you can take professionally, but there's also so many different routes that lead you to voice acting. Like, you know, a lot of the questions that I ask each of my guests, they're the same questions, but all the answers are totally different, which I love. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure nobody (laughs) other than you will give me the answer. Oh, well, you know, I was in a band touring and uh, (laughs) and then decided with my husband, why don't we just move to South Carolina? And then I decided to go into college for something totally unrelated (laughs) in in my later 20s. And yeah, everybody's got their own journey. Oh, actually, I forgot um, to tell you, I, w- I have a cosmetology license, too. Actually, oh, wow. I still and I still keep it active, too, so I can get discounts on hair products. Nice. And and so I and I cut people's hair sometimes, too. Um, so I do, but I don't. <laughs> That's a useful skill now. No, it is really right. I mean, everyone's like, yeah. I need a haircut. And I'm thinking I can do that. But I don't charge. I don't really charge. I don't do it as a business or anything like that. But I've cut mm-hmm. I've cut my husband's hair ever since I've known him. And so it saved us a lot of money over. Over the years it was totally worth it but um <laughs> but no i did that because there was a band that a friend of ours was in from chicago and t- two of the guys were brothers and they had a salon that they owned that was the coolest thing ever i was like oh my gosh i want to do that i want to be in a band and then when i'm in town i'll work at my salon and then i'll you know so um and then right. my and then a good friend of mine growing up his parents owned a hair salon and they were like the coolest couple ever and they had a loft <laughs> up above where they would have big parties and i was like oh my gosh I want to you know so right after high school that I act like the summer starting that summer I immediately went to cosmetology school you know it was a good skill to have like when we were we were doing Lollapalooza a summer and so many bands they didn't have they you know you're going from one town to another and they don't know where to go to get their hair cut so I would I like cut like one guy's hair behind the Mr. Softy truck at the show in New York <laughs> you know so I just brought my shears with me and I'm like cutting all these bands hair and stuff so it came in handy you know diversification that's like Mm -hmm. since i was a kid like been like my middle name like diverse (laughs) julie diversification doyle that was my maiden name anyway um no because i always did feel like that like um i i always was interested in you know learning so many you know so many different things and so i think that is good if you do have a broad range of interests to you know, try to find some time to pursue, you know, the other things uh, at the same mm-hmm. time, if you can, I, I think it keeps you from getting bored with anything. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that yeah. makes any sense at all. <laughs> no, definitely. I, I feel 100% the same way because uh, that's one of the reasons that I ended up gravitating towards acting is because, uh, you know, I've started out studying engineering and decided that's not for me, thought about maybe architecture. But one of the things that always sort of nagged at me was I don't want to call myself 
one thing, doing one thing my whole life. The the good thing about acting is you're playing a bunch mm -hmm. of different roles and there's different types of acting work as well. So like, it's like the one job that allows you to live multiple lives at the same time. Yeah. Uh, which I love true. about it. That's true. Yeah. It is one of the things that you could do forever and focus on just acting because it's not, it's so many things. Like you can do voiceover, you can do on camera, you can do theater. I mean, there's just so yeah. many different routes you can go or you can do all of them. And then you have all these characters. I mean, it's, it's just, it is one of the one of the professions that I think you wouldn't have a chance to get bored with. Right. And there are people where, you know, that office job, same thing every day, that works for them. It, it provides stability. But I feel like for more nomadic souls like yourself and I, it wouldn't work for us so much. But um, you mentioned for your husband, first of all, now he works remotely, but what exactly does he do? He's a game designer, so he makes games for a living. And that's what brought us down to Texas from Kansas City. And, and Charleston didn't really have, a, you know, any game studios at the time. They might now, but at the time they had none. And um, Kansas City, although there are amazing, <laughs> amazing designers there, and there's three different great art schools that have really good game programs, um, there's no game companies in Kansas City. And so all of the people after they would get their education in the gaming field would have to leave. And so it's mm -hmm. funny, there's a lot of people from Kansas City that are here. And <laughs> so so that's kind of how we ended up in Texas was because there was more of a game industry down here than in Kansas mm -hmm. City or in Charleston. So yeah, he actually okay. switched to remote like just a few months before the pandemic started. Now everyone's remote. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> you know, not for not forever, but um and so they let him switch to remote like in uh, November or October. And then by February the whole studio now is um remote uh and mm -hmm. has been and probably will be for uh a while. Yeah. All right. So I uh, have to remind myself that this is a voiceover podcast, so I'm going to start asking a lot more voiceover questions, okay. but I'm just like infatuated with your <laughs> with your whole dynamic. Um, I've heard a lot of great things about CESC, but they have, you know, agents for various departments. So is that how things work for you? Usually this certain agent gives you all the auditions for promo and this one gives it for animation and because other agencies, they kind of it might be more project based versus department based. You know. No, yeah, it's definitely um, department. So there's the different agents will send out, you know, different um, auditions depending on whether it's promo that comes from someone different from games, and then animation mm -hmm. is separate, and then also commercial and the narration. Um, but commercial narration overlap a lot to where it's the same agent sending out commercial and narration. Okay. And as far as auditions, what's your audition process like? Like, do you press record and then figure it out as you go or or spend a lot of time getting to the the heart of the character and then press record? I do both, actually. Sometimes I will just press record while I'm working things out because sometimes the first thing that you do ends up being the the most crazy <laughs> you know because right. like, you're you know what i mean uh and yeah, and, and sometimes i like that more i'm like ah oh, i kind of like that wacky 
person that came out at the beginning of that. And and then I'm glad I hit record. Sometimes I don't hit record. And then I'm like, ah, I wish I would have done that because I really <laughs> liked what I did the first time. And now ah, these other ideas that I come up with, I you know. So I a lot of times I will hit record just in case. And sometimes right. even with commercials, even if it's not character, sometimes sometimes even the first read is my favorite. Even if I haven't, with commercials, sometimes I, I've only skimmed through the script and I haven't even read it yet out loud. And I'll go ahead and hit record because sometimes it's a little more natural, I think. Right. Because I haven't gone over it and I haven't overanalyzed the commercial script. And, and so so a lot of times with commercials, I will go ahead and record from the beginning. Because mm -hmm. especially if it's a read that, that they want it to be conversational and natural and not announcery you know you know the <laughs> uh, the phrases right. that we get on the copy uh, a lot of times that we hear and so i just find sometimes that if i haven't read it over and over again and i go ahead and hit record and just do it and kind of work through it sometimes that's my favorite take for yeah. a commercial that works for everything but yeah like you said especially commercials because more often than not when you're getting sides for commercial uh the specs are basically you like you're you're just playing yourself so if you just record yourself from the beginning um, without much preparation oftentimes that's as you as you'll get yes very true i think it never hurts just to go ahead and start recording you know yeah because even if you usually don't use the first take um or two that you've recorded you can just throw it away because you never know mm -hmm. so it doesn't hurt to record and Definitely. then just you know why not <laughs> That wraps up part one of two with Julie Shields. I can't wait to drop part two, but in the meantime, here are some of today's tips. Tip number one, don't be a professional student. Regularly training is good, but find the courage to test your knowledge by actively procuring work. Two, when you're ready, try contacting local production companies directly to see if they need voice actors. Julie managed to make a full-time career out of that before she even had an agent. And three, when auditioning, don't be afraid to get crazy. It's better to make bold choices you feel good about than overly focus on exactly what you think they're looking for like it's some kind of standardized test. And on that note, may all you voice actors keep acting up.